Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, we're doing the Elephant in the Room series, and we're going to talk about the supernatural is what we're going to visit with today. But this is the thing. Whenever we leave here, if you look at me whenever we leave and say, man, you really believe that Jesus Christ is the lens that we need to look through, you really love him, then I'm gonna say thank you for the compliment, <laughs> okay? Because we really believe that here. So we're gonna shift, shift through some scripture. It won't be as bad as that first service, I promise you. We don't have near as much time, but, uh, but, but we'll, we'll get through it. But as I was showing that clip, I wanted us to concentrate on that for a second. We have to have specific lens. The, the, the scripture says that the God of this world has blinded people. And those are the people who are not people of God. So until you look through the right lens, it's hidden. What, what, what we're really looking for is hidden. But the good news is, this is not hidden forever. If you put on the right glasses, in this case, Benjamin Franklin invented those, supposedly. I think a really good set designer got them, right? right? But a set designer of Benjamin Franklin has nothing to do with what we're about to interpret. If we'll look through the lens of the supernatural and putting Christ where he goes, then we'll be able to interpret a lot more. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you'll open up your Bibles to 2 Peter, we're going to go for 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. While you're turning there, I'd like to give a background. The year is somewhere between 64 and 67 AD, which is about 30, oh, 34 to 37 years after Christ has died. Peter is in the city of Rome, we believe is where it's written. In some aspects, people debated whether 2 Peter was either even written by the Apostle Peter because it didn't really line up with 1 Peter. But how do you know when you write to different people at different times, it's not always going to stand the same, amen? But scholars came later and said, no, there's, we're, we're relatively sure that the author was Peter for 1 and 2 Peter. And he's in the room transcribing, no doubt, by candlelight, and, and it's a very important part because if you read chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, he says this. He says, I must put off the tent, or my tent, as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. What he's saying is this, my death is near. Matter of fact, I imagine as he's transcribing that, remember the Holy Spirit empowered men of old to write what happened. And we believe that the scripture is inspired of God. As he's transcribing that scripture, as he's writing it, I'm putting off the tent. He's got to think back to the time that he was talking to Jesus. And Jesus says, listen, you're going to spread out your arms for me and it's going to cost you your life. But it will glorify God. Peter knows his death's near. It's at hand. So you can imagine the intensity that he's writing this letter to. This is not like, hey, how you doing? Woo! He understands. What I found is people who get closer to the end of their life... They'll sit down and drink a cup of coffee with you, and it's some intense fellowship sometimes, amen? Like, let me, let me tell you some stuff. And here's Peter, he knows that it's coming. It's coming. And he writes this, and, and, and pay particular close attention to what it says at the very end, if you will, with me. It'll be on the screens, you can click it in your phone or iPad or whatever clicking device you have. And then if you're old school, rip out the King Jimmy baby and follow along with me, okay? 2 Peter 1, 10 through 11. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. Now, the qualities that he was talking about 
is listed in the scriptures previous to that. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, kindness, and, 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 and love. Now, why would he say those qualities? See, even hidden in with them qualities, as he says, these qualities you will never fail. Hey, we know we'll fail because we need, that's the reason why we need Jesus Christ. But what he's saying is as you see Christ, you won't fail. But even to have those qualities, we must understand that this is a supernatural situation that we're working ourselves into. Because the reality is God would not have sent those if the world could provide them. But in the world, those qualities do not exist. Oh, I think there's some counterfeits. But, but a lot of times, I, there's some expectation usually behind. You know what I mean. But he says, if you practice these qualities, verse 11, for in this way, there, uh, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, you are amazing. Keep your hand upon us. Everybody says, amen. Amen. That last part, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As I endeavored to talk about the supernatural this morning, kind of a roadmap of where we're going so you guys can exhale a little bit. We're not going to bring in snakes. Somebody offered me a snake this morning. I said, no, we're not. We're not going to do anything like that, okay? Um, it reminds me of an old Jerry Clower joke. You guys know who Jerry Clower is? Some of you guys, he was a comedian. It was back whenever you could do comedy and not cuss, and it was funny, you know what I mean? Okay, so, so he, was, he, was doing, he was doing comedy, and he said he was in a church, and they came in, and uh, they brought in some snakes and some different things like that, and he asked the old boy, he goes, where is the back door? And the guy said, we don't have a back door. He said, where do you think they want one? Because I'm getting out of here. And uh, we're not going to do anything like that, okay? And, and what we don't want to do this morning is we're not, we're not going to make fun of things. That's not what we're here to do. We've, many people have experienced the Lord in many different ways, and we're not here to judge. That's not what we're here, we're here to do. But what I hope to do is stir our appetites of realizing that the battle that we're in is supernatural. Even walking in here today, when we're singing the songs and we're in our pew and we're worshiping God, there's principalities and powers that does not like that. So they'll fight against you and it will come in the ways of thinking. You'll rabbit trail in your brain. You'll think of an offense or an unforgiveness or, or something that somebody has done. You'll think of something at home that you need to do and what you'll do is you'll skip out on that opportunity to bow your face before our Lord and Savior, the creator of the Lord and say, you're my God and I'm your child and I know that it's gonna be all right. We don't wanna miss that moment. But because we're in spiritual warfare, we're in a supernatural battle and he's crafty, a crafty, a crafty adversary that we have. Not giving him power, but that's, that's how it is. And this morning, we don't want to, we, we, we want to whet our appetite to say, yes, we know that this thing is supernatural. And what we're going to talk about so you guys have a roadmap, salvation is supernatural experience. We have to own that fact then we have to also own that we really will never see the world as, as God designed us to see the world until we understand that we've got to look through that supernatural lens. So the first thing that I want to uh, uh, talk about here is understanding that supernatural, we see it through the Bible, right? We see creation. God made something from nothing or somebody from nothing. Wait, he made it from dirt. But wait a second, who made the dirt? So nothing, nothing, nothing. The flood shows us how serious God is about sin. Yeah, it is. It's, it's also about how God will save you, but it's also a deeper picture there is how serious he takes sin. 
people that oppose him openly, he's not going to tolerate it. There will be accountability. The Red Sea, Red Sea, as the Israelites cross it, what a wonderful word picture to look back and see the very thing that held us captive is now washed away. The thing that held us captive as we submit our life to Christ, we look back and say the sin, the things, if I give it to him, it can be washed away. But this is the the reality of the situation. Sometimes you have to feel like you're in a rock in a hard place. You know what I mean? You have to be following somebody or you have to be the leader that's saying, listen, we're at the point of no return. What's behind us we cannot go back to because it's scary and it means to kill us. So God, if you don't do something, but whenever we get to that point, he does something, oh baby. (laughs) We're about to see something and witness something that very few people get to, amen. We're opening up our eyes. The story of Job, what a wonderful story, if not for him, (laughs) that we get to read it now, and we realize that, man, trials and tribulations comes upon the holy ones. Matter of fact, the scripture says that Job was perfect. Now, it doesn't mean perfect as God is perfect, but it means perfect as man can be perfect. That he put his hope and his faith in God, and and he was living a life that was honorable to God. But things still went south for him, right? Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel gets thrown in the lion's den. Supernaturally, the mouths of the lions are closed. Darius, King Darius, comes down the next day and cannot wait, can't sleep the night before, and comes down the next day and says, Daniel, you're still there. He wants to know. The supernatural. Ooh, Ezekiel in the valley of dry bones. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of God and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and lo, they were dry bones. You've ever been around some dry people? I have. <laughs> no, just leave it there. Leave it there, okay? Yeah, yeah. Don't look around. Don't look around, okay? And he said unto me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh Lord, thou knowest. How many of you guys know? I love the King Jimmy, baby. Oh Lord, thou knowest, Amen. He looks up to him and then he goes on in verse four again to me, prophesy unto these bones and say to them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Verse seven, so I prophesied as I was commanded. Amazing things happen whenever we do as we're commanded, amen? Whenever we read the word and we do as it says, whenever God speaks to our heart supernaturally and we do as he says to do, amazing things will happen, amen? And in this case, he was the only witness. So not everybody's gonna believe your story, but it can happen. So I prophesied as he commanded me. Then breath came into them. They lived and stood up on their feet in exceeding army. Oh, Jesus. Three, three Peter, or Acts, excuse me, Acts three, Peter and John, famous story. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I do in the name of the Lord, rise and walk. What do all these stories have in common? They point back to God. I think Ezekiel puts it best here when God said to Ezekiel, why ye shall know that I am the Lord. Why do we desire to walk in the supernatural? Why do we desire to let it run through us? Why do we desire to have words of prophecy and words of wisdom and encouragement for people at the right time? Why do we wanna lay our hands on the sick as the Bible says and watch them recover? As God told Ezekiel, it's that thou will knowest that I am Lord. See, we look at those and we come back to the realization that as that works through me, it's because I point like a big neon sign back to this man named Jesus Christ. And as we seek out the supernatural, as, we, as, we, as it works in our churches, in ourselves, 
we understand that it's the witness. See, God doesn't need to know who he is. God, God's confident in who he is, amen? Yeah, God, God doesn't need us to, to prove who he is necessarily. That's not what he needs. What he is looking for the opportunity to captivate the hearts of humanity. One of the great stories of the Bible, Jesus is walking across the water, and it says that he would have passed him by, but they called out unto him. So what was the purpose of the miracle? Was it so that they could call unto him, then he could prove that I am God? He could show and he could build faith, because this is what I know. It is a sign to the unbeliever. But even I, I'll, I'll be the first one to jump on the ship and say, I need a good reminder sometimes. I don't know if you've ever been at that point, but I've been at that point where it didn't matter whether the bill, whether, whether the, what, what I owed or whatever the situation, whether it was $20, $200, $2,000, or $2 million. Yeah, I didn't have it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And unless God provided, it ain't getting paid. And the miracle was, was the provision, not the size of the miracle. Here we, we, we read about a valley of dry bones that came alive. What? Into an army of the Lord. But to a widow, it was oil in a vat. Yeah. Yeah. To, to a man that, that couldn't walk that was lame, it was the ability to walk and jump up and leaving, leaping and praising the Lord and doing what? Bringing glory to God. Yeah. To the man that had the eyesight blind, it was the rubbing of the mud, and to him it was his eyesight. So the measure of the miracle, I guess, could say, depends on your situation, amen? But we can't discount it. Sometimes we think that supernatural is only these big monstrous things that happen. Unless 250 people that came in on crutches all get healed, then it's not a supernatural event. And I disagree. I think as you look through scripture, that is very, very true. But I tell you, the most supernatural event could occur is whenever somebody turns their heart over to Jesus and their life changes and families are saved because one man. Matter of fact, it's so important that hell, uh, that hell, <laughs> hell doesn't do it, that heaven celebrates at the turning of one heart. So we can't discount the supernatural, we can't discount the size. Once again, hell didn't celebrate at that, in case y'all are wondering, I'm sorry. But there's a balance here. There's a balance, there's an experiential and emotional balance with accountability and application. See, what we tend to do is we wanna see Christ and allow the supernatural to follow. What we've seen and what has happened, and we're not casting judgment here, is people begin to see signs, they seek the signs and hope that Christ follows. And that's not where we wanna be. We wanna seek Christ and then allow those signs to follow. And when they do, don't get freaked out about it. Don't. Don't get freaked out about it, and it's hard. Because sometimes like, I can't explain it. That's the point. <laughs> Try to explain God. Uh, he's invisible and I've never seen him. All right, that pretty much sums it up. Let's go, all right? And we're gonna talk about that here in a second. Let's bust some myths real quick. Let's bust some myths. First of all, Christianity is only supernatural. No, that's a myth. Christianity is very, very practical, amen? Christianity is very, very practical. Proverbs 6, 6 and 8, it says, Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways, and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in the summers and gathers food for the harvest. It's saying, look around. This is how I've had it said to me. Play today and save tomorrow, or save today and play tomorrow. 
That's what he's saying about the ant. Very practical. If you want something for winter, start stacking it up. We had, as I mentioned last week, we had a wood burning fireplace in my house. If you're cutting wood in the middle of winter, the, the wood's green, incredibly hard to burn. What you do is you go out and cut wood early so it can be seasoned, and then when you stick it in the fireplace, it's like a, you know, it's like a piece of cloth that just kind of takes off on its own. But we can learn that from the ant. I think the King James says, the King James says that if you don't work, you don't eat, right? Yeah, that's another one. You know, you have not because you don't worketh. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what the Bible says. But we, you know, you know what I'm saying? We, the practical stuff here, practical stuff. Second Thessalonians is actually, it says, if you don't work, you don't eat. Paul, Paul was writing, he said, we went down to you guys and we told you, listen, everybody needs to pitch in. Everybody needs to help. Everybody needs to do their thing here, okay? That's how this thing builds. Proverbs 13 and 12, it says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. If you don't want to be dumb, don't hang out with dumb people. Pretty practical. I mean, I mean, see, right, right. I mean, you know, you wonder sometimes about people. Like, man, you know, well, do you want to come hang out with me? No, no, I don't. Okay, I love you, but no, no. You can come hang out with me, but I'm not. You know what I'm saying? We got to do the thing. Okay, got to guard ourselves. A hedge of protection, Lord. Hedge of protection. All right. Here's another. One. Christianity is only rules and laws. Myth. Myth. Now, we should embrace the rules and laws that God has because as we sing, God, you are good. If we really truly believe that, then what he says to do, his commandments will embrace, will love, will want to do because we believe it's from the standing that God is good. The two greatest commandments, love God and, and, and love your neighbor, if we'll look at the 10 commandments through that lens, then the rest of them will really begin to make sense. Love God and love people, and we believe it. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, it is for grace that you have been saved through faith and is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works that any man should boast. What is it saying? You're gonna mess up, and you're gonna need some grace. I have some things to tell you, and you, there's some laws and some regulations, but that's not what all this thing is. There's some grace involved in here, amen? There's some things you're gonna go out and step into water, and you're gonna sink, and I'm gonna help you walk back to the boat, okay? There's some, there, there's some decisions that you're going to make that is going to be wrong, but grace is good. Amen? Romans 11 and 6, and if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it was based on works, then it would only be law. Matter of fact, that's the problem with the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They were, man, Jesus said, dude, you got the law down. You guys know what's up, but your heart is far from me. Your heart's far from me. You do this because you want to fulfill the law, not because you want to be closer to God. And in the supernatural, people want to fulfill the supernatural for other reasons than being close to God. And sometimes if we're not careful, we get into that performance thing. Oh, I prayed and I, I used to sweat that. Okay, God, if you don't do something, wait, God's God. He's going to do what he wants to. I'm going to read his word. And if he says lay hands on the sick, I'm going to lay hands on the sick. And God, you said that they would recover and I'm leaving it at that. Does that make sense? Because God, I'm going to believe that the words that I speak, well, I was talking to Tanner this week and we were talking about the, the, the power of praying the word. See, the word is perfect. If it's inspired by God, God breathed. God breathed into Adam and brought him to life. Therefore, whenever I read scripture, it breathes into me and brings me to life. It helps me talk and, and walk with my community. And knowing that, then that, that sustains me. That's enough. That means whenever I pray the word into people's life, I'm praying the perfect will of God because it's the perfect word. Now, there has to be some supernatural thinking along with that, though, that it's not just words on the page and I'm not just fulfilling this to do it, amen? And there's a balance, though. There's a balance here. We can't get so experiential and emotional. We have to be accountable and we have to apply it to our lives. 
We have to accept and walk with the supernatural. Why is it so important? I think there's really these two points here. My first point is this. Salvation is a supernatural experience. First of all, how do I know it's a supernatural experience? Because number one, we believe in an invisible God. Let's prove that through scripture. 2 Corinthians 4 and 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 1 John 4 and 12, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So really the only way we know how to see God is by the love that we have for one another. Oh, here's a very good one. Exodus 33 and 20, Moses comes out and God says, listen, I want you to hide in the crevice of a rock and I'm gonna pass by. And whenever I do, I'm gonna put my hand over you so that you will not see me because we know that if any man look upon God, he'll die, he can't handle it. That's what scripture says. I wonder if God, I was thinking about this, I wonder if God put his hand over Moses' face because Moses would peek. You guys ever watched a scary movie? I wonder, you know what I mean? Like he just knows we're human and we're like, dude, I've got to see. I may never get another shot, you know what I mean? And I wonder if he's like, no, don't do it because you're gonna die and I got some other stuff I need you to do, right? But anyway, that's a side note, that is, okay. So he's passing by, but even then, it, God, all he said is he really just saw us back and that was it. First, uh, John 1 and 18, no one has ever seen God, the only God who's at the Father's side. He has made him known. So Jesus has made him known and we know that Jesus walked, but nobody's ever seen this invisible God. Number two, we know that we are to worship our God. See, here's another one. This is how I know this is, well, I have to cling to the supernatural because God gives a very specific way that we should worship him. John 4 and 24, it says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. So I took that and I said, okay, God, well, what's spirit, what's truth? See, we, sometimes it's okay to ask God questions, amen? He's not scared of them. He's pretty smart, Right? And, and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't show doubt. Doubt sometimes is seeing and not believing. That's, that's doubt, okay? And sometimes that's not doubt. Sometimes that's clarification. I saw that, but I don't know if I really saw that. You know what I mean? But seeing and believing. So I went back to God and I said, okay, how do we worship in spirit and truth? And this was the answer. This was the conclusion that I came to. It led me back to Jesus. John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes into the Father except through me. Hebrews 10, 19 through 23 says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter into the holy place, by who? By the blood of Jesus, by the new way of living. It confirms that Jesus is, whenever he says, I am the truth and I have provided you a way. So what's the only way to live in the supernatural, truthfully, is none but through Jesus Christ. That's it. Now, verse 23 says, let us hold fast to our confession and our hope without wavering. What is our confession? Our confession is that this invisible God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross of Calvary, that my sins might, that, that held me captive may no longer have a grip upon me and I can walk in the freedom of Jesus Christ. And how, that's my confession. I have to hold fast to that. That means that I have to believe in the supernatural. Born of a virgin, we know the story. I have to believe in it. So we know that we worship this invisible God. We have to worship him in truth. Then my next question was, God, yeah, spirit and in truth, but where's the spirit at? Do I see Jesus follow? Is he from the spirit? Well, let's search out scripture here. Matthew 4, it says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Luke 4, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led. So one, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and the other one, he was led, which is the same thing. 
Then John 14, six through 18 says, and I will ask Father and he will give you another helper to be with you, even the spirit of truth. So the exact same thing that we're looking for, we can find in Jesus Christ. As we're looking and operating in the supernatural and we have those words of prophecy, those words of wisdom, whatever might, God might decide to do through us, does it point, the question is, does it point back to Jesus Christ? Because if I'm gonna be a true worshiper in him, I know that truth and, war and spirit is found in Christ Jesus, amen? And that's the only way. And he was led by the spirit, he was filled with the spirit, he is truth, amen? Amen. I think the next thing, the next question that I had, okay, Jesus, and not like rude, you know, like sometimes you're like, okay, Jesus. I didn't do the head nod. No. I didn't do any of that, okay? I didn't do that. It was more like on your knees, like God, okay? But the second thing, so we know spirit and truth. We know that we serve an invisible God. We know that we have to worship him in spirit and truth, okay? So how about this one? God, did Jesus meet the standard of God? If, if Jesus is the true truth and the true spirit, he's from God, and I know that I've got to worship an invisible God and my example is Jesus Christ, then did he meet the standard of God? Well, let's check it out. He's getting baptized in the Jordan. John the Baptist, of course, we know the story. You should be baptizing me. I shouldn't be baptizing you. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Really, it just, it's an intense moment. Jesus is baptized in water and a voice booming from heaven said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Matthew 17 and five, he goes up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was speaking when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them with a voice that said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And then he adds this, listen to him. God's not gonna tell you to listen to anybody that he hadn't approved. God's not gonna tell you to listen to anybody that he hasn't said. See, that's, we, we strive for the anointing and the anointing is God's approval on our life. It's, and this is, the, as, we, as, we, as, we, as we strive for the anointing and we guard ourselves against the supernatural, the reason why this becomes so important is because that really scary verse in the Bible that says, many will stand before you and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I cast out demons? Didn't I do all these marvelous works? And it gives me chills just thinking about it. And then he looks at him and says, depart from me, for I never knew you. Amen. Supernatural is not a sign of seeking Christ. We don't want to look back and say, Christ, are you following? That's dangerous territory. We don't want to be there. Christ should always be leading the way, amen? So we have to figure this out. So we have to seek Christ first, but don't be nervous or scared about the supernatural. Amen? Let's go ahead and go to my second point, and I'm gonna land the bird here, guys. It's 11.56, we're gonna land the bird here. Okay. I was riding to the IMA conference the other day, and uh, we went on an airplane. So it was the first time Billy went with us, and I thought about singing, we're leaving. On, but I didn't wanna get to the part where I don't know if I'll be back again, because I really <laughs> want to come back, you know. So when I was in the airplane, I started, uh, you know, I had that thought, so I started about thinking about playing that song, No Devil, Not Today. Like, we're gonna, <laughs> we're not going down, we're going, not today, devil. So I, instead, I played the song, Touch the Sky. Ah, so it was, it was a great moment, okay? Great moment, great moment. All right, let's go. Okay, let us see the world as it really is. That's my second point. If we're gonna see what God wants us to do, then we have to interpret it through the lens of Jesus Christ, through the lens of the supernatural. The hurt, the pain of the world, 
the world as God sees it. Now, I'm talking hell in a handbasket type stuff. I'm not talking about that. But it goes back to this balance with emotional and application. Matthew 5 and 16 says this. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and may glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light so shine before men. See, that gives us the experiential. I had an experience with God. There's something in me that changed where it says that God pulled me out of the darkness into the marvelous light. And that light has to shine. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. That's the application. See, that's the balance. I had something happen to me, and every time I come to church, God gives me experiences and he draws me closer, but now I've got to grapple with what do I do that? When I go out past these doors, what do I do with it? That's the application, the good works. And why? Let your light so shine before men that, that they might see the good works and glorify your Father. Now, what happens whenever God is glorified? Jesus said this. He said that if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. But we also know that no one can come to the Father except to the Son. And no one can come to the Father unless he draws him near. So how do we open up the gateway for people to be drawn near to God, which is what Christ wants us to do to begin with, is connect all the hearts back to him. So whenever we walk in the light that shines within us and we turn that into good works, random acts of kindness or whatever you wanna call it, miracles, the supernatural, God speaks a word into your heart and you don't think it's very important, but then you go up to that person, you look them in the eye and say, listen, this is what I believe I need to say to you at this time. I've been there and people's done that. It's a very powerful thing. Those are the good works. But the question is what I'm about to say, what I'm about to do, I have to internally check because I don't want to be one of those that says, Lord, Lord, I thought I knew you. Whenever I check, I say, God, is this pointing back to you? And what I say, I'm going to edify them and take them back to you, Jesus, because if it's not, then it's not a supernatural work we want to be a part of. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father. Because whenever the Father is glorified, the hearts will be open. They'll be able to connect back to Jesus. Amen. Would you bow with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.